when the Lord was bounced around town and dealt with, he went into the, to the hall with um, Pilate. And Pilate was into uh, interrogating questions, asking him all kinds of different things. And he didn't speak. Uh, I don't know how long it went on, uh, but uh, it, it troubled Pilate because Pilate said to him, don't you know that I have the power to uh, turn you over for crucifixion? And he said, um, you know the retort, he said, you do not have any power over me unless it comes from above which should give us a, a very, very comfortable uh, position in regard to anything coming our way as far as you know, the Lord's view. But I, I, looking at it, I was thinking, uh, he, Pilate made a deal of him not speaking. And um, I, I really believe that the greatest source comes from God when we're silent. And, you know, we can all be jabberwockies, and I, I love words. But it's not a time, because we're on, we should be on a big time receiving side. Uh, and so the, the heart of the matter, and I think some of the greatest power comes in silence. I, I, it's been my experience. I mean, God interrupts my silence when I'm thinking I'm on a track. And the wonder of it is, thank you, Lord, because you know you're, it's like, it's like dictation almost. I mean, it's, it, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Don't you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have that experience where you say, yeah, yeah okay, okay. I want to get it. And that's where this adventure is. Because the whole thing is, is tied up with a love relationship. And you don't love anybody that you don't know. The people you know that you have <coughs> traffic with, you love. Or let's say it's easier for you to do that. And so I would an admonition for myself is if I can garner my wandering soul, my active, capricious soul that wants to go here, there, and search, and curious this, what about that? Uh, if I would listen more to the one who really cares for me, and is more intense on my progress than anyone. There's nobody alive that is as intense for you as, as the Lord. And, well, I'll put it this way, probably his assigned angel. But I don't know for sure about that either. Although I know we have one. That's what it says. Well, God help us, and as we gather, you're not going to do this. You will not stop your direction or stop your soul, and neither will I, 
unless I tell God I really can't and I'm dependent. I, <laughs> because I'll find stuff to do. And I'll guarantee you, we've got a room full of people who find a lot of other non-functional, losing, delaying things to do. So if we could pray for all of us in that measure, and as we go before the Lord, ask him to speak to us. You know, that we're not, you know, it's wonderful to, to lift our hearts up to him, but let's, uh, let's come away. Uh, Jesus spent a lot of long hours before the Father. This what he wasn't on automatic. He had to be dependent. And so, sons and daughters of the Most High, let's intensify our encounter with God so that we have that kind of traffic. Thank you, Father, that you go before us. And we'll uh, thank you uh, for all that you, you give to us. Tonight, we ask you to as we praise that you would fall upon our sister who is in a, a major transition unless you halt it. And, and, and we certainly give you that permission tonight. We're not trying to direct you, great one, but uh, we wouldn't make a big deal of it outside or advertise uh, your secret work. If you, if you would encounter her. That's our, our cry. She's still a relatively young woman. And if you're going to take her, Lord, give us uh, an intensity to go with her day by day until she reaches the end of this life for Jesus' sake. Amen.
trust to receive some strength during worship. Very simple point tonight. I wish it was more simple to do, but it's simple to consider. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, sacrifice tonight, and namely the uh, topic of yielding our life, uh, really looking at the principle that. There's no real life and there's no real growth uh, ever to be had in our lives except that which comes from really laying down our life to the purpose that the Lord puts before us. Uh, and as I said, that's, it sounds very simple, but uh, has been quite impossible to do in my life. And uh, I'm going to read, if you turn to Acts 20, I read this once before, I'm going to read this once more before I continue. Acts 20, 22. You know, falling, <clears throat> I guess we could blame the Lord, but we really just came out wired to uh, love our own life. But just, that's how we start. Uh, wired to, to just fall in love with our own life. And it's a, it is a lifetime to fall out of love with ourselves. And uh, I'm going to read this again because this, this statement is just so beyond me. This is Paul, and I've read this before, and I've, I've been there. Been, still been here trying to get a hold of it. And he says, And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Some great news to look forward to. And here's the great line, But none of these things move me, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And I think when I read that a couple weeks ago, I said that I was, I was going to start the next week on not counting my life dear to myself. And I've put that off for a couple weeks. I've rescheduled that for the new year. That's my New Year's revolution. So <clears throat> I'm still figuring out how to do that. But if you were just to strike out with all of the strength you could muster of will and of reason to discount the dearness of your own life. You know, you're just, we're just wrapped up. We're, we, we, are, we are born to be wrapped up with the precious protection of our own life in every which way. You don't have to work to think about what you like or don't like or what you'd like to do or not like to do or what your favorite friends would be or what you'd like to become or all those things. And you know, the entire thrust of the world right now is in an, an entirely opposite direction to what the Lord is doing with us. The, the entire movement that's going on right now is to really further uh, 
quantify and further uh, establish the value of your own life. The dear value of your own life. Call it whatever you want to call it. Male or female, this or that. I mean, what is, what is happening right now is just a, the uh, full establishment of the enlargement, the uh, engrossment, the uh, grandeur of just whatever you would like to think that you'd like to be. You name it, you can be it, and everybody else needs to respect that. I mean, everything about this world has just gone towards, have you considered the rights that you have as a person, you know, to really be who you want to be and do what you want to do and really say whatever you want to say? Uh, you know, that is, that is mainstream. And that comes absolutely against the force of what the Lord is bringing us to uh, as he calls us. And, you know, if you look at... Uh, Everything about the marketing of this world, it doesn't take you long to see if you're shopping on Amazon or wherever you're on. You know, the algorithms, the simple algorithms that are built on there, uh, they can figure you out just with a computer. I don't want to, you know, deflate your esteem of yourself. But, you know, with a little surfing and a little shopping, you know, they don't offer me stuff I'm not interested in. You know, Amazon, Amazon looks at my history. It's like, I think we got this guy figured out, you know. They're not offering me art products. I don't know. You know, they're, they're not offering me a lot in the, in the cooking world. They're not offering me a lot in the world of a lot of other things I'm not interested in. I could name so many of them, you know. But um, there, there are a few things that I pop up that my daughters might be interested in because they've been shopping on my Amazon account. Those are ignored and quickly deleted. But, <clears throat> um, you know, you can learn a little bit about yourself by what's popping up. You know, you wouldn't be tempted to, to go down a path that you weren't interested in. It's like they know, they know that I might be interested in looking at, you know, the most amazing elk hunt in Montana or something, you know, or um, the most amazing crane that is setting something on a bridge that is just the most ridiculously dangerous Indian construction project going on today, you know, that is just mind-blowing with no safety protocols, that is the most wild machine being done with rigging of cables, you know, driving machines off barges into the ocean. You know, big construction things. You know, those, I'm interested in those sort of things. You know, they, they, they somehow, I must pause on those because they start arising into my offerings. You know, it's like, I don't need to work for this world to, to give me what I would like. You know what I'm saying? And the enemy, uh, it's not even that. It's actually more embarrassing because marketing depends on you following your interests to sell what they have to sell to you. Have you ever considered that? I mean, the marketing scheme of this world can depend on your interest, your, your selfishness to make money. And they're good at it and it works. I mean, I don't know about you, but um, you know, I was waiting. I don't, I don't just like go shopping for things on the, on the, you know, the, uh, the great Black Friday sale. Like, you know, going into Walmart, I just loathe, just wandering around, you know, just looking for this. But if I know that I'm going after something in specific, I will... I will look for a deal till I am just about dead, you know, I mean, I will, I want to get the best deal, you know, your dollar's got to go a long, yeah, got to go a long way. And um, I like it, if you've noticed, you know, they just, they've got it figured out now, there's the early bird sales, you know, they know that you're in the mode of shopping and they're just, you know, the, they're just as a consideration of that. So Black Friday slips into Cyber Monday, now that slips into Cyber Week. I mean, it's going to be cyber year, and you just have all long in a minute just to keep on going. I mean, why stop shopping, right? I looked for a little, uh, a little. They, we had a record that's always going up this year: nine point eight 
billion dollars was spent on Black Friday by the American public. That's a big number to me. I don't know about you, but that was, that was amazing to me. 7.5% increase from last year. They raised their forecast. This is, I did this study before Cyber Monday, and they were expecting them to spell on Cyber Monday, which is more of the electronic sale, 12.4 billion. That's amazing. <clears throat> yeah, in one day, that's, that's, that's amazing. I think my, we, we, we at, at my house, by my family, have been waiting on a lot of things. We made it near the million dollar mark, just to add to that total. But we're returning half a million of those things, so no worries. No worries, we're good to go. <clears throat> That study was about the United States, yeah. Yeah, yeah, shopping is now too easy. You can kind of accidentally slip something into your cart, tap on buy, you don't even know what it's done, and it's like, oh, it's coming, I might as well keep it, look at it, you know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, turn to Second Chronicles 26. <clears throat> there is, uh, there, there's nothing about the natural man that is going to present itself with a desire to lay down its life in any regard, any given day. That's what I have found out. You know, there isn't any, um, <clears throat> there isn't any, anything of the natural man in me that is just desired a less comfortable day. You know, like the water couldn't be too perfect of a temperature, the, you know, everything about uh, how the day, there's nothing that can be too good for the, for the, the natural man. It's just, you know, it just, that's just how it's born. And, um, you know, if you consider um, in our little family uh, the way that the Lord has has taken care of us, I want to just establish a small point before moving on. Um, you know, there was a lot of sacrifice that was required by lack, right? It wasn't like I was more spiritual when I was a kid that I ate the things that I ate. That was just all that was available to eat. There wasn't a consideration of today. I don't think I'll have Caesar dressing because. It wasn't available, right? It was like, it was, it was already on my, the pre-soaked cabbage was already on my plate. It was good. It was already, you know, it was going. So there wasn't like, you know, the thought of maybe, you know, managing my Amazon purchasing when I was 15 or something wasn't a thing. There's no credit for those things. But living in the land of plenty um, is actually, has always been throughout history, a much greater challenge for, for mankind, but specifically for the people of God. To, to make a choice about where you know that your sufficiency comes from. This is what the bill is starting with tonight. To realize that um, you know where your sufficiency comes from when you feel like you might have capacity. When there is actual physical ability to do something possibly, to continue, to have, to then remain with a heart that is dependent, with a heart that says, Lord, um, I don't, you know what it says? It says that we're not to choose the place of our sacrifice. That's a very valid thing uh, because if you've noticed, even for your kids, they might, you know, they might choose to do something that was more work if it was their own idea, right? Like when I was a kid. But as soon as something is required, well, then it's a whole different thing, right? Like the Lord, there's no way that I know the way in which I am to lay down my life. It'd be a foolish thing to strike out to endeavor to do so. But the Lord himself, and this is what we're going to discuss tonight, makes every opportunity, the only things that you need to do in the areas that you're to lay down your life, all you have to do is you have to yield in those areas. And that is actually harder than just choosing where to make your sacrifice your own self. Lord, today, I don't know what it's going to take, 
but I know that I'm dependent on you. And, and what is my responsibility today? To have, to have life, to share life. It is to respond with a life that is laid down just in the areas that the Lord presents me with today. I don't think, I have, I've got a full-time job just doing that. I don't need to seek out any other greater things. That's enough for me. And I want to look at Uzziah really quickly. We know this guy. There's an amazing sequence of stories. If you want to read through the, the story of the kings of Israel and of Judah, it is, you could say, depressing. It should be, it is lesson-giving uh, in that so many of them, when they started as young, they knew exactly that they were completely incapable of ruling this nation, of doing anything without the help of the Lord. And the Lord helped establish them. And then at the end, so many excellent kings who said, they start out, and it says, and they began with a heart that was after the Lord. And their heart was after their father David's heart. Over and over again, who began with a soft heart, who put down the altars. But then as they became established, uh-oh, over and over and over again, kings that had a fantastic start. Look at Joash, look at some of these kings, raised by a priest, you know, brought out at a young age. Starting with purifying everything. And like, in the end, he forgets, and he actually, the, the, the priest dies, you know, he's like 20-something, and the Zedekiah dies, and he slowly forgets who is actually making all this happen. And he starts to, this must be me, and he starts to do some things, and the prophets, on. this is over and over and over again, that kings that started with a great heart, they forgot where this came from. And this is, a, this is Uzziah, we know this story, but it says, you know, this is, he becomes strengthened, amazing things happen to him, the Lord helps him. Uh, this is, we'll start in 14 of Second Chronicles. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the hosts, shields and spears and helmets and all these things, you know, slings to cast stones. This guy was fantastic. And he made in Jerusalem engines. This is where Ford started, right here. Invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. A lot of capacity. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that capacity except for one thing. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord and went to the temple to burn incense. And I want to jump down to 18. And they withstood Uzziah the king. He's in the temple. He's working under human strength at this point, right? Forgetting what he's doing. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord, but from the Lord our God. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. Leprosy is an interesting, an interesting result of really taking your own life into your own hands. Self-establishment, self-aggrandizement. Uh, being in a position where you really don't have a capacity to... Offer your life in the way that's required. I want to look at one more story. Turn to 2 Kings 5. This will be the end of the bad news. But I want to just establish this principle. <clears throat> because leprosy, I remember in school with, I think, Amanda reading, um, maybe in his image, but it was, a, it was um, one of those books. But 
reading about the stories of leprosy and it totally blowing my mind. You know, he, um, he ran into one of the patients he was helping and the guy had his hand in a candle because he, he smelled something right at night and he, and he ran in and, he, and the guy had his hand in a candle and it was melting his fingers and he didn't even realize it because he was a leper. It was, it was, you know, he was asleep and it was burning his hand. The leprosy is not spiritual leprosy. We all know about physical leprosy. Spiritual leprosy is, is what happens when you hold your life, hold on to your life enough to the point that you really go past the point of being sensitive, of having feeling, of having a spiritual sensitivity to the areas that the Lord puts in your path that He says, here Gabe, this is what you need to do today. This is who you need to talk to. This is where you need to uh, maybe pause your thinking or as we heard this week, your criticisms, whatever it is, uh, get a hold of those things. Uh, aren't you thankful that the work of the Holy Spirit is to sensitize us to where we are to lay down our life? Thank you, Lord, for that. Because otherwise you're a spiritual leper. I'm a spiritual leper in those areas. This is a crazy story about Gehazi. We all know Naaman. We know about this, this story um, about Elisha. Amazing story. And you know, Gehazi is involved in some amazing things that Elisha does. Gehazi is used to, to do miracles just by being sent out from Elisha. He, he, we're going to look at the disciples in a minute, but consider the fact that Gehazi is not just unaware of how God moves and unaware of what God is doing. Gehazi is literally the servant to Elisha, as close as you can get to knowing what being submitted to the presence of the Lord is. And he, he somehow doesn't actually get the, the whole point of what the Lord is doing with Elisha. This is an incredible story. Naaman comes, captain of the host, right? The, you know, king of Syria sends a message like, you know, a little mail order to, to heal my captain. And the king of Israel cries out and, and Elisha says, you know, what's all the moaning about? Send him over to me. He'll see there's a God in Israel, right? So we know the story um, in 2 Kings 5. I'm going to skip down to 19 a bit. But he comes and he expects to, you know, have Elisha say, you know, smite the ground and call on the name of your God. But he has to go wash in the river Jordan and. There's, there's plenty to say about that, but we will skip that. Um, I'll pick up in verse 15. And Naaman returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and they came and they stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. You know, this doesn't seem like a very out-of-balance thing to offer. If you look at Elisha, this happens a couple times, and he is very, very careful not to touch getting anything for what he's doing. This is, this is just, again, we're talking about laying down our life versus taking undue, holding unto <coughs> ourselves. And Elisha says, as the Lord liveth, before I stand, I will receive none. And he goes on, he urges him, but he refused. Finally gets the message in 19, he said to him, go in peace. So he departed him a little way. And here we have Gehazi, who's been listening to all this and says, you know what? This is, this is crazy. This, this, here's an opportunity to get something for myself. The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master hath spared Naaman the Syrian, and not receiving at his hands that which he brought. As the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. <laughs> it's just hilarious how it says it. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman was on running, he lighted down from his chariot to meet him. Is all well? All is well, my master hath sent me and said, Behold, oh, there come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changed garments. And Naaman said, Be content, take more. And he gives them silver and all these things and garments. 
And he lays them upon his servants, and they bear them before him. In verse 24, And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hand, and bestowed them in the house, and he let the men go, and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And this has had to have been just, wow. And Elisha says unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? Now, Gehazi has been with Elisha enough to know that he's been listening to the secrets of the king of Syria that he's been telling him, you know, in his bedchamber. When you start thinking about yourself, you literally lose your mind. You, you, and I'm going to say it again. No, not, maybe no mental sanity, but no spiritual sensitivity. It is a scary thing to lose spiritual sensitivity. And he said, once comest thou, Gehazi, and he said, thy servant went no whither. What kind of an answer is, I mean, that's the craziest thing. Why not just say what you did and just ask for forgiveness for a stupid thing? And this is, and the answer is even worse. Went not mine heart with thee when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee? Oh man, what? This must have just been a cutting response. And you got to know that Elisha has been sitting here. He knows this is going on. He's probably praying for the man to, you know, just come in and just clear himself. Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servant and maidservants? This is the, the leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed. Wow, that is not a great deal at all. When you, you know, and again, we don't have to work to hold on to their, our lives, but I have found out for myself that it is, it is becoming a choice every day to say, Lord, <coughs> you know what I want to do today? I want to present myself in a, in a state of readiness for two things, to be aware of what you have before me where I'm going to have to lay down my life. And secondly, just to yield in those areas. Just simply to be aware and to yield. It can be simple things. It can be, it can be speaking the truth to your friend. It can be just the situation. There was a situation recently that, that got me thinking about this that presented itself to me. And I could kind of see it coming. And I could see that it involved sacrifice. And after great consideration, I pondered a lot of other solutions for, for others to deal with the situation besides myself. And I had some great solutions for others to take in the situation. Anyway, but as things went on, it was like the Lord was kind of like, you know, you've seen them like sheepdogs kind of herding sheep. And then like eventually they've got to go through the gate, right? It's like there's a lot of other things. It's like after some, it wasn't like it was shoved down my throat, but just giving pondering to what was on my plate, I realized that. The Lord himself had put this on my plate. It was like, and it wasn't like I had to take it up. It was like, it was obvious that the Lord had put this for me to take up. It was just, it, I, I don't know how to say it a better way. But you know, when you bump into a situation and you feel right away like trouble's coming and you'd like to just sidestep it, take the next job and then get back in line, you know, let this thing go by. It's like, I knew that this was, anyway, and uh, discussed my wife who, you know, Agreed and had a good spiritual response. Anyway, needless to say, um, there was more fruit from just taking the situation on. That's the best I can say without being more vague. But there was, I've noticed a few times this year of fruit from situations that I just yielded to that looking back, I thought, man, I would have missed out on so much if I just would have kept on resisting. No, no requirement. No, you have to. But just here it is. You know what? You know what it is? It's the Lord putting in your path what is needed for growth. You know, you want to grow. You want to, you want to find out what the life of Christ means. The Lord's going to put in your path today what you need. 
You got to face it and accept it. And you know what? You can avoid it. You can dance around it. I can read the news. I can look at hunting on Facebook. I can do whatever, whatever your thing is. There is the world is throwing everything in our way to keep us from just quietly facing what he's got on our plate today from every which way. You can dance around it. And the Lord is mercy brings those things back to us. But boy, I, I don't want to lose a heart that is sensitive to be aware of what the Lord puts on my plate. You know, you you heard what Sister Betty read, read about, you know, the chapter 13, which is just, you know, you can just get through two verses and just stop right there and just spend some time working on those, you know. But I told her it was just a leveler because it just, you know, there's no way with human capacity to reach a goal of loving your neighbors as yourself. It's totally impossible. But you know what I found? That if you yield to right now, this is what the Lord has for you right now. You're going to get the help you need to do that just right now. I want to take a look at Peter and I want to take a look at a little story of a guy that, that Lewis caught me up with just to wake you all up because it's amazing how no matter what I say, people remember stories and that's good. I, I appreciate that. It's good to have some. There, it's a good wake up call. Maybe you're maybe you're uh, getting a little sleepy in service. So stories are good. But I want to look at Peter because Peter is Peter is a fantastic guy who the Lord over and over and over again. Um, kept speaking right to um, that. Um, and, and he said, you know, over and over, he told Peter, I'm going to be I'm, I'm going to Jerusalem to lay down my life. And Peter's like, no way. Right. And, and you find the Lord telling Peter, he asked all his disciples, you know, who do you say I am? And they're kind of listening. And Peter's like, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, Simon Barjonas, you know, blessed are you of men. You're going to be the rock of the church. For the Lord didn't give this to you, or the man didn't give this to you, but the Lord did. And then three verses later, he tells them, you know, guys, I'm going to tell you what I've been telling you because I don't know that you're really getting it. But I'm actually been called here to go lay down my life. And and Peter's like, Lord, you know, that's the craziest thing I've heard. We're going to do everything we can to, to protect you from that. And he says, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. This is just like a few verses down from saying you're the rock. You know what? He didn't stop working with Peter right there. He just let him know that. What you, the thought you just had wasn't from me, Peter, so get back in line with what I'm giving you. But over and over and over again, Peter's like, he finally realizes, okay, this is going to happen. And that night, he like keeps telling the Lord, Lord, everybody, all men may forsake you. Peter's going to be, I'm right there. We're right there. I'm in front of the line. I'm right with you, right? And then, and then the night comes, and he's like, Peter, I'm sorry to tell you, but you're going to deny me. And Peter's just, you know, you got to love Peter for just running, just running his mouth out there just boldly. He's like, Lord, you know, never. Never, you know, I'll follow you to death. Right. And then and then he, you know, he's suddenly by a fire and a maiden's like, haven't I seen you before? And suddenly he finds himself saying the words, I don't even know the man like Peter. Peter was incapable at the moment to to present his life in the way that, that the Lord was ready to present his life. And guess what? The Lord knew that. And all of those disciples, every single one of them ran out of the garden to save their save their skin. And the Lord knew that. And it's like. You find that the Lord right away, when he starts to return, he's working with them to say, to strengthen them. He meets him in the room. He works with Thomas. He works with Peter. And all of the disciples go through their own proving to come to a point. Every one of them, but one of them, I believe, was martyred, right? I mean, the Lord is patient with us to bring us to a place where we actually can lay down our lives. He knows, he knows what is needed to do that. And, uh, and, there isn't any other way that we can, you know, strike out like Peter just to, to think of an idea, to think of a sacrifice that we can do that, that, you know, 
makes it up. But I was looking, I want to turn to, to Mark uh, 6 here. Uh, this is just a, a before, I, before I tell you the story to wake you up, but um, I was reading about the, the bread, and someone mentioned, I just read this last night and this morning. Did you mention bread this morning? Somebody mentioned broken bread this morning. Fabian, yeah, yeah. So I just read this last night, and it was, I was thinking about this, and I got so excited about this. Um, so I'll wake you up with it. I was, we were praying uh, the other night with one of my daughters, who will love me for telling this story, but... She, you really sleep when you go to bed, but you know how you, you say your prayers before you go to bed, and it was, and um, I was, well, you pray tonight. And so right then, a great yawn struck forth, and it was like, Lord. Oh, and I just fell over laughing, because I was thinking of the Lord, you know, with our prayers, just, God, oh, kind of tired, but uh, if you got some time for me, you know, I was thinking, I've only got seven billion other people I'm paying attention to, you know. Lord, I know you're tired too, but uh, I got a thing for to ask you about. You know, could you help me? So I was thinking about praying while yawning, and what the Lord must think about His people just praying. It was just I went to bed thinking about this because the Lord must have a lot of laughs, a lot of laughs for us. Um, luckily for us, He does know that we are incapacitated to even stay awake like the disciples. Anyway, in Mark six, we got the the, the story of of the, the loaves and the fishes, and everybody's starving. In verse thirty eight. You know, how many loaves have you? And they say five. And he commands them to sit down. And in, this is Mark 6, 41. And when he had taken the loaves and the fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes he divided among them all. And they did eat and they were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000. And so then he goes out, gets him into a ship. I just want to kind of bring this full circle because the Lord brings it back around. And he went to a mountain to pray. And then, you know, the ship has a big storm. And then they come, see him walking on the sea in 49. And they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. Immediately he talked with them and saith, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. It just, you got to have some patience with yourself. When you think about the disciples and the miracles that they were physically a part of, and then, like, what happens five minutes later? And you're like, were you actually awake when you were doing these things? Because did you, you know? And he went up to the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed beyond measure. And they wondered. And it says here, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. And I was thinking about the real miracle of the loaves wasn't so much the fact that five loaves fed 5,000 people. That's amazing, right? You know, you can explain it in a lot of different ways. I've read a lot of things about it. But the miracle of the loaves... There was 12 baskets full, and I was thinking about what was the significance of 12 baskets full? Well, like, there's 12 disciples, obviously, right? This is an obvious deduction, but each of them, after doing this, came back with a basket full of bread. And I was thinking the miracle was that they themselves had their hands in the business. The miracle was actually taking place in their hands. This is just incredible to consider, like, how much more obvious can the Lord make this tend to be like... They're, they're there being a part of broken bread. You know what brings life in, in any situation is a, a, another life poured out. Another broken life poured out. Always. The principle of a life poured out, of a life laid down, you know what? It brings more life. That's just, that's an amazing principle. And the Lord did it. He was doing it right in their hands, like, to wake them up. And he comes back later on. He's like, have you not considered 
what took place with the five loaves and the, and the 12 baskets full. It's like the Lord was trying to say, you guys are going to be able to take a part of this. It's not just watching miracles happen. Get your hands dirty in the business of what I'm doing. That's, that's an exciting thing to me to think about them just passing out the bread. This is happening right in their hands. And, and uh, I think all of us know, uh, if, you, if you look at this farm and how it has changed, and it's changed with, for a lot of reasons, but the Lord has allowed it. But there is a lot less structure that requires a response to a schedule. And there is a lot more room for volunteering, if I could use that word. There's a lot more room for you to consider a burden. And people are doing this. This is exciting to me. They're, to consider a need and to just volunteer to step up to what is needed. I see that happening more and more. Um, you could literally take about any area of this farm. And it really, it, this place depends on people stepping up to a burden that, that the Lord has put on their heart. That to me is actually where everything has to go if it's going to be a life-giving thing. It's not great, miraculous, supernatural things sometimes. But if you're in the business of being aware, of being sensitive, like I was saying, of not having spiritual leprosy, you're going to just be responding to the things the Lord puts on your plate that, um, that require sacrifice. And if you consider sacrifice, the world is full of... I was reading some stories of, of World War II, sacrifice in World War II. Amazing stories of sacrifice, of people in the moment doing heroic things to literally throw their bodies on grenades, whatever it was, to, to you know, hold off, knowing they're going to die. Guys, I read a story the other day of a guy that saved two battalions running the machine gun in a burning tank that he knew was going to explode every, any second and ran it out and, and it exploded. But, you know, guys responding to the call of duty of that nature, um, it's amazing. And, but the fact of the matter is, what the Lord asks us to do is, is a much different thing. And Lewis was telling me about a story of a guy by the name of Jan Balsrud from Norway, an amazing guy. And, and um, he told me about it maybe a month ago, and I've been meaning to get to it. But uh, incredible story. Um, he, uh, and I will keep this short because time would fail us. But anyway, he, he was, they saw that he was problem in Norway, so they shipped him off, and, and uh, he tried to work as a double agent. Long story short, he had to go through Russia and down through Africa and got back over to England and started training to go back to Norway to lead a resistance. And um, got another uh, commando, Norwegian commando that he found there, and they got more training, and they got a fishing boat, and they got eight of the guys, I'm condensing a lot of story, and they decided they were gonna go off w with 100 kilograms of explosive and take out one of the major control communication towers of the Nazis in Norway. So they strike out, and, the, and of course it's, it's winter time, 1943, and they head over there, and I'm going to try to skip some of the details, but the whole mission begins with them needing to find a secret contact that has a code name that is working in a, uh, you know, basically a roadside restaurant bar right off the, the shore where they, they landed. And they have a, a network of people that are supporting them, ready to get them, and they're going to start training. They make it to their place with their fishing boat, German's boats surrounding all of them and everything, of course, undercover. And they go to this place and they, add, they go up to the counter and they ask for the name of this man. And he said, yes, that's my name. Unbeknownst to them, their contact was out for the day. And a brand new guy with the same name was hired, was working at the counter. <clears throat> and he realized that he had just stumbled upon one of the world's greatest secrets. Immediately called the Germans. They ran back out. This is like bad luck, right? This is the first, the first pin number one of the, uh, of the obstacle course. <laughs> they got a guy with the same name that's not the right guy. Right, guys. So they run out to their boat, start making a new plan. Word gets the Germans. The Germans start 
bombing their boat, which has, is full of explosives, right? So they jump into the ocean, and Jan is the only man to make it to shore. He, he loses one of his boots in the process. It's, it's freezing conditions. He has, the SS is on his tail. He's got a wet pistol. He ends up killing the one SS. He's hiding in a snow cave, and this guy gets to him, and he kills him. And he takes off on the mountains. <clears throat> anyway, the next nine months is the story of this guy doing wild things to survive in the Arctic. They, he goes from point to point surviving, and, and he gets to a village, and he has to find out who's friend or foe. I'm, I'm not even telling you about how he survives being soaking wet and frozen. Like, he digs a snow cave, and he survives there. Anyway, he... He gets a part of the, of the underground and they get him you know, new clothes. And, but to get him to back out to safety, they've got to take him up on top of this mountain. And, they, and he's, he's now, his feet have been frozen so much, they've got him like on a stretcher and they put him behind a rock. I'm condensing this for, for time. And, uh, and there's supposed to be another contact coming to meet him in about 12 hours. And again, he's built a snow cave around this one rock on this mountain. And they, and they, have a, they get delayed with the Germans finding out their plans. So for like 12 days, He's behind the snow cave and his toes literally start to freeze. And he realizes that he's gonna die of gangrene. So to spare you some of the gory details, this guy ends up over the next nine months amputating all but one of his toes. And if you know you have trouble walking without your two big toes, pretty much make walking the game changer. If you went home and took off on your big toes, you'd walk really strangely. Anyway, all your balance comes in your big toe. Um, but they end up passing him from port to port and, and get him literally back to a place that ships him back to England. And he spends 13 months training himself how to walk again and starts training up a new crew of resistance fighters, at which time the war ends. And he goes and starts doing like coaching and everything. Um, but the principle of this story was just wild survival all by himself. Um, the, the human desire to survive is incredible. That's just... There are so many stories about people surviving against all incredible odds. You know, when it gets right down to it, it is amazing what you come up with to save your skin. I mean, it doesn't, again, it might just be, you know, not having your favorite coffee or something right then, but like, it is just put within us to save ourselves. And everything of the Lord that he's doing with us um, is going in the exact opposite of that. He's looking for a people who are willing to actually lay down their life of their own choosing. And that to me uh, has, has grown in the uh, immensity of that miracle because again, it simply comes from today realizing this is what's in your path. This is what the Lord has asked you to do to lay down your life. It's not, it's not the grand things, but it really, really means um, everything for growth. And this is why you know the passage of unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, and remains alone, it, it, you know, there's just no fruit. And I wanna read um, a passage, a little clip here from, of course, Sparks, and it says, um, he, I'm gonna jump into the middle of it, but it says, if we really do walk with the Holy Spirit, we find that he's leading us into things that we never thought of, never intended, but as he does it, we have to say, this is not something that has just arisen, this is something that was intended by God. And I am now just coming into the program. The Lord has not shown me the whole program, but this is an item on the program, and there is item after item. I like how he says this. Is this not the story of the book of Acts? It's revealed over and over again. And as they move in the spirit, more things are revealed to them. And I love, I love how he says that. There is, 
the miraculous that is going to be done for us to have life come forth is that you simply identify the thing that maybe right now you're struggling to yield on, that, that you know is in your path, that you don't really appreciate. And you say, Lord, <laughs> help me to yield to this thing. I was thinking about one of the rarest things that, are, that happen in today's society. It is simply fathers and teachers and whoever telling kids, telling people the truth that they need to hear. Like, how rare is that? I was thinking how thankful I am to have had a dad that just sat me down and told me what I needed to hear. You know, like, if, you, if, you have, if you're a child and your dad isn't telling you what you need to hear, you're just not going to know and you're going to be a brat. That's the best, you know. You've got to be thankful for teachers that are telling you what you need to hear. You know what the Holy Spirit, his, his, one of his most important duties of the day is to tell Gabe G, is to reveal to me, you know, Gabe, that's got to go. You know, uh, Gabe, you know what? In this situation, I can see that your, your life is being held very dear to yourself. There's nobody as just tells it to you straight up by, besides the Holy Spirit. Maybe your wife. You know, the Lord speaks to those other people, which is great. But consider being thankful that you have a, a father and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that is actually revealing to you today what must go. Because you know what? If you don't know what must go... You're going to be still bonded to the things that do not bring life. I mean, that just, it's amazing that we have a society that's just wanting to tell people what they want to hear. That's just wanting to pass. I was talking to somebody about school. They said their teachers were so scared of their school getting, you know, docked for funding. They were just passing people in the class. There's no confrontation to say, you know what? No, this can't continue. As a parent, your job is to tell your kid. You know what? I'm the guy here to tell you this behavior can't continue. Nobody likes it. It's ugly. And I'm your parent. And I love you the most. So I'm going to tell you. The Lord is at work every day with me to reveal to me in many ways. Gabe, this has got to go. And, and I, I know that there must be a growing appreciation of, of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because that is literally the only way that growth happens. And I want to read here. There is just a great... <clears throat> I wrote here, how many things does the Lord put in my path that I delicately sidestep because they are inconvenient? You know, most of the time, the things that the Lord reveals to me, they're not a massive mountain climbing, toe extracting project. They're just very inconvenient for me. No, I'd rather not do that right now. I'd rather have what's comfortable to me. You know, there's a passage about that, you know. Give me what's comfortable. Give me what's convenient, you know. It just, it, that, is, that is the spirit of the age. Uh, but no, Lord, I, I don't want to sidestep the things. It doesn't sound very, uh, it sounds rather innocuous to say, you know, you'd maybe just missed a couple years of spiritual growth. But actually, that's a real problem to miss out on what on the growth that I wrote down. How much business do I really do with the things that the Lord makes real that must go? And here is here is what is the encouraging thought. This is what I think about the mercy of the Lord, how specific it is. What I believe is the mercy of the Lord that is new every day is every bit of grace that I need to just lay my life down in the way that the Lord has asked me to do so. That's what I think. I think that there's a way to take advantage of that mercy. And I want to I read here in, in Revelation. There's a great passage in closing. <clears throat> well, there's the scripture. I won't... Uh, 
I won't, yeah, I was going to read in Psalm uh, a scripture that I'm just going to. Yeah, Revelation 2, you don't, or 3, you don't need to turn here. But it says, He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which cometh down out of heaven. And I will write on him a new name. I was thinking about how thankful I am for being given, for not being left with the name. That's a nature. We know that's a nature. But for not being left with the nature um, that I have. And the only, the only way uh, to get a nature uh, that, is, that is new is to really yield ourselves to the work of the Lord. And, and King David, I'll close with this in Psalm 116. And as we know, David faced a number of situations where he obviously took up his life uh, and, and came back in repentance. But it says, The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, this is Psalm 116.6, and the Lord helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, and mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk before the Lord. I believe, therefore, have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall, this is the question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will take up the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. And I will pay my <coughs> vows unto the Lord. Paying my vows, I believe, is just answering that call. Lord, whatever, whatever relationship situation, whatever uh, anguish of my soul, whatever uh, thing that I've been asking you to change that seems to not be changing, um, that, is just, that seems to be remaining, there must be a purpose in your work. Lord, help me to have the grace to yield in this area. There's so much help that comes from a small step of just yielding in the very area that the Lord has you in that seems totally impossible. That you just, Lord, I, I don't know if I can take another day. I will pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That is how the Lord thinks about where we can lay down our life. Precious, I love that line. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. There's no way to imagine, there's no way to conjure up some great excursion or a great sacrifice you need to do, but what is required for us, if we're going to move forward, is to truly ask the Lord to keep revealing to us uh, where we are to lay in our lives and to keep revealing to us what must go so that we can have the fruit that uh, not only brings life to ourselves, but brings life to others. And any time, I, I think you'll agree that any time that, that we see somebody extending in that way, somebody laying down their lives in a way that they haven't been able to before, uh, there, is, there is life, there's broken bread that is shared to the rest of us that strengthens us to do the same. Amen? Okay. There's no announcements. We are going to close. Lord, thank you for your work in all of our lives, Lord. Thank you for your work you're doing in our young people uh, and all of us older people, Lord. We thank you for uh, the examples that we see around us, Lord, of those that have chosen to move forward in places they have not been able to before, Lord. And we ask, Lord, for your strength that can you continue to do so, Lord. Strengthen 
uh, Mark and Kathy tonight, Lord, um, with your almighty help, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your grace is sufficient for them, Lord. Strengthen uh, Vicki Gabriel, Lord. Uh, strengthen Jenny, Lord. We thank you for your work uh, that is good in Jesus' name. Amen.